Hey everybody, it's Vern. How's it going? I just got done watching the uh, AEW Full Gear pay-per-view. What a great night. And uh, the only part of me that is any degree of masculine is uh, the wrestling fan of me. The, (laughs) the, uh, The me that enjoys watching guys beat the crap out of each other. That's the only part of me that is just a man's man a stereotypical man's man anyway just got done watching a bunch of guys beat the crap out of each other and uh what better way to uh, chase that what better way to follow that than a chill boring podcast recording all by myself uh kevin and i again are on opposite schedules uh for the second month in a row one of these days i'll be able to record with my friend kevin again but who knows when that's going to be. Um, so I'm going to... Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, maybe the only thing I'm going to talk about this episode, apart from AEW and Kevin and I being on opposite schedules, is the monocle. Uh, so for those of you who are not in the know, you're about to be. Uh, the monocle was a... So I'm bad with bar culture, I'm bad with the nightlife, because I don't really indulge in nightlife. But the monocle was a bar review, (laughs) review something uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, And uh, it recently, my, my dog is scratching herself like crazy, that's what that tingling is in the background uh but the monocle was a bar pub review thing in st louis and uh just last month october uh it closed uh it shuttered its doors uh permanently uh according to their instagram a huge 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 bummer for a lot of reasons um one of the reasons it's a huge bummer is because And I don't know. I've not been in St. Louis uh, for too long. I've been living in Washington and then Utah. Uh, I've not been in St. Louis for a long time, but I'm assuming part of the reason that the monocle is uh, shutting its doors is due to uh, the pandemic. And uh, our current, soon-to-be former administration's uh, plan of dealing with a pandemic, which was no plan, um, sucks that um, ineptitude and corruption and all that led to a, a small business being closed. Really sucks. Um, but I'm 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 not going to get on that soapbox for this. Um, the other another one of the reasons that the the monocle closing really sucks and really hurts is because y'all, I got a lot of really wonderful memories at the monocle, uh, and so if you're okay with it. And if you're not, stop listening. Uh, (laughs) If you're okay with it, I'd like to use this time to talk about uh, my monocle memories, or memories of the monocle, however you want to put it. Um, So, uh, the monocle first entered my life uh, through uh, Kevin, actually. 
we wanted to do a live version of the other show on this feed, the Puffin Publishing Podcast, and we were looking at venues that would host us, and uh, Kevin found uh, the monocle. And uh, the monocle was very cool. Laura at the monocle was very accommodating. Uh, We went in and checked out the place, and uh, Laura, for reasons beyond my realm of comprehension, was taken with us and seemed to uh, think we were funny. I don't get it. Uh, (laughs) But uh, shortly after going to uh, the monocle just to check it out, we, we agreed to do a live show. And then a live show happened. We ended up having Puffin, Puffin Publishing Podcast, ended up having three live shows at the Monocle. You know, uh, it was a weird thing. Uh, Growing up, there was a handful of things that I always wanted to do. And one of them was uh, make a movie, (laughs) obviously. uh, And that's going to happen, I promise. Uh... I guess I've made a movie. Now i got to finish it. Uh, that's my new goal, is to finish a movie. Um, but another one of my goals growing up... So I was a huge fan of uh, Monty Python. I was a huge fan of just sketch comedy in general growing up. And uh, I hope you can hear my dog licking herself in the background. I hope that's picking up. But I was a huge fan of sketch comedy. And growing up, like I really wanted to be in a sketch comedy troupe. Uh, that was something that I, I kind of looked forward to and hoped I could make happen. And I always kind of saw myself as like making it happen in college or something. And then like, I remember being kind of bummed out how at Webster, like I did chain link improv, but like I wasn't a member of a sketch comedy troupe. And when we were meeting with Laura, uh, at the Monocle to see if, like, the Monocle would be a suitable venue for doing a live show. Uh, and it totally was. Uh, Laura asked who we were. And Justin, uh, Jay Bones, uh, said, oh, we're Puffin Publishing Podcast. Or he said, oh, we're Puffin Publishing. And it was so weird. Like, as in that moment, I was like, oh, I'm in a sketch comedy troupe. <laughs> and... I'd been, we'd been recording Puffin for like, oh God, like six months at that point. We'd been recording Puffin for a long time at that point. And, uh, it wasn't until that point where I was like, oh yeah, I'm in a sketch coming troupe. Oh my gosh. One of my, one of my childhood dreams has come true. (laughs) And so, uh, but I was just too dumb to realize it until that point. So like right off the bat, before anything ever happened in front of a live show in front of a live audience at the monocle like the monocle helped me realize a dream and that was really really cool um i was just like oh yeah i'm i'm in a sketch comedy troupe how about that uh but we we did three live shows there and uh we talked about them uh we talked about those live shows a lot in a, another show that's on this feed, uh, chapter 50 of the Puffin Publishing Podcast, our, our Puffin Fest uh, thing that we did. Um, we talked a lot about um, different things that happened at that show. So I'm going to try not to dip into anything uh, again. I'm going to try not to recover old subjects. Um, 
I already talked about performing a song with Ken Bone <laughs> live on stage at the third Puffin show. Uh, and how that was so surreal and still a weird moment for me. And I think I talked about um, being Mark Twain at the end of the first live show and uh, the sound guy, whenever the show was ended and he was playing us off stage, he played Tom Sawyer by Rush. And for me to walk off stage in a Mark Twain costume that was so cool. <laughs> it felt so cool. Um, I think we talked about, um, I know we talked about the the wrestling game where we created a bunch of Puffin Publishing podcast characters and would make them beat each other up. Uh, Mark Twain, for a long time uh, in that wrestling game, came out to the ring uh, to uh, Tom Sawyer by Rush. <laughs> uh, and that was all because of the sound guy at the monocle. I don't know, it was, it was so cool, like, I don't know how to put it, but just, like, being in that, like, backstage area, getting, like, those pre-show jitters and everything, like, I don't know, it felt, it felt like the real deal, and, like, you know, I'm getting ready to go perform, and, uh, I don't know, that was just a very cool feeling, uh, I remember being so nervous, uh, because that was also the same, that first live show was also when the the failed Pet Turtles Kickstarter was going up. So I had just so much going on in my life and so much I was hoping for and everything. I was so, so, so nervous. And I remember uh, walking around the backstage area of the monocle and I ended up sing, uh, saying, singing, I ended up saying the, uh, the comedian's prayer, which I had discovered from that documentary about Chris Farley. Uh, and that calm me down a little bit. It was a nice little moment. It always happens whenever I start recording something and the damn dog's in the room. It always happens where she'll start like, she'll find the loudest, most crinkly toy and chew it as close to the microphone as possible. Uh, but yeah, I remember saying the uh, comedian's prayer and, and being calm, like that calming me down. But like that feeling of being that like low hanging ceiling with the low-hanging ceiling back room area with, like, the long mirrors and everything, like, I don't know, this, that feeling of, like, ah, we're going to, we're going to get ready to go up and put a show on, and that was such a, a cool feeling, that was a, that was a, f something I'd been searching for for a long time, and it was really cool that the monocle made that happen. Um... There's a uh, there's another story about being Mark Twain at the Monocle that uh <laughs> that I want to tell but uh my heart is telling me that I shouldn't tell. <laughs> so if you ever want to hear a a spicier story about the Monocle and Mark Twain, hit me up uh, when there's no recording devices around and I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mark Twain though. Uh, and this is not as spicy. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all listening to this know about this, uh, but there's a there's a, sc a script, a feature uh, film script for a movie called Mark Twain in the Mystical Cave, and uh, it's a comedy movie uh, written by Mark Twain that I found. I found the script, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in this script, Mark Twain gets canceled, um, and 
uh, he he he's per, he's performing a live show, uh, like a one man show on stage, very much in the same vein as Mark Twain Tonight by Hal Holbrook. And uh, in Mark Twain in the Mystical Cave, the uh, unproduced screenplay, uh, Mark Twain is producing a script very similar, or producing a doing a show very similar to that on stage. Uh, and some of the things he says in that show gets him canceled, and the whole movie is about him uh, trying to find mystical treasure to uh, to help him get uncanceled. Uh, but uh, the whenever I first read that script for Mark Twain in the Mystical Cave, uh, I saw him like those scenes where he's performing at a bar at a venue. I always saw that taking place at the monocle. Uh, just their Mark Twain at that stage in that back area, uh, giving a speech and eventually, you know, Mark Twain saying something so offensive that someone throws a Molotov cocktail at his face and it causes the, uh, the nightclub to explode. Um, and so, not that that Mark Twain script was ever, ever, ever going to get made in a million, billion, trillion years. Uh, but the, the monocle closing down, uh, I don't know, it hits me in a weird place where I'm just like, oh, it can definitely never get made now. Because <laughs> there's, you know, there's just no other place to film it at. Ugh, ridiculous. Um, also, this episode is going to be all over the place. Uh, this is going to be me talking about memories as they come to me. So I'm sorry if there's not a lot of uh, chronology here. Um, but I was talking about Laura, own, the owner of the monocle, and how cool of a lady she was. And um, shortly after we met Laura and the monocle came into our lives, or we came into the lives of the monocle, or whatever it is... Um, Kevin and Forrest and I's show doomed to you got done doomed to you got done and uh, Laura contacted Kevin and asked him if uh, we wanted to premiere it there uh, which I thought that was a really cool uh, very cool and very nice thing for her to do obviously uh, doomed to you did not premiere at the monocle because we kind of just thought like this is a this is a, a weird show that's not as big as it. I don't know. It's just we thought a a live audience with a bunch of beer would be the wrong place to see doomed to you doomed to you for the first time. But uh, it was really cool of Laura to reach out and make that offer. Laura was a cool lady. Uh, Mimi La Mimi La Uke because she played ukulele. But uh, we yeah, we did three live shows there the uh, the grain alcohol show uh, as we talked about at Puffin 50 that happened there and uh, because of the the live shows that we we did at the monocle with Puffin uh, I was inspired um, whenever we needed some funds uh, for pet turtles to do a live show there. We did a live show called Pet Turtles Live. Pet Turtles Live is kind of a microcosm of Pet Turtles and me trying to make Pet Turtles. <laughs> it was a thing where, like, whenever Doom to You was getting done, I was looking at it and I was like, oh my god, Doom to You is 30 or 40 minutes less 
if you watch all the episodes of Doom to You back to back to back to back, uh, that's like 30 minutes less than what a movie would be. And shit, we did this. I could make a movie. Uh, completely forgetting the fact that I leaned on Kevin and Forrest very heavily uh, to make Doom to You. Honestly, Kevin and Forrest made it doomed it to you. I I don't have as big of a footprint on that as as it may seem. Uh, but I was thinking like, oh man, I made a doom. I can, I I made doom to you. I could make pet turtles. I can make this whole movie by myself. And whenever it came time to like needing trying to get some funds locked down so we can shoot pet turtles, I was like. Well, shit, we've done live shows for Puffin Publishing Podcast. I could do a live show at, for uh, for Pet Turtles. Uh, again, just me severely underestimating my own capabilities, everything that goes into that stuff. The Pet Turtles live show, like, was so, 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 so stressful trying to put that together. Um, I'm not going to name any names, uh, but we had... Let's see here. The It was a night of comedy and music. And we did the comedy first and then the music second. And it was kind of a bad move to do it that way because the, uh, the music we had was more meditative and more uh, like mellow. Uh, the music was uh, performed by Adriel. I don't know if... Adriel was heart problems at this point yet. Adriel is uh, Forrest Wharton's brother, Lake. It's his band. It's his band. And they were Adriel at one point, and then they became heart problems. And I can't remember because it's been so long if it was. Uh, and I'm also, I think I'm saying it wrong. I think it's Adriel instead of Adriel. My brain is shot. <laughs> I got up at. Uh, 4.30 this morning, and it is currently 10.24. No naps. Uh, <laughs> but that's Lake Wharton. Um, and so I can't remember if it was Adriel or Adriel or Heart Problems uh, whenever uh, they performed at Pet Turtles Live. Uh, but it was them and uh, Le Pons. And... Both of those musicians are musicians I admire uh, greatly, both as musicians and as people. Uh, but, like, their music's a little bit more meditative, a little bit more calm, a little bit more mellow and all that stuff, the vibe I like. Uh, but the comedy we had was very, like, uh, Justin and I went out as John Steinbeck and <laughs> as Jody or whatever the little kid's name is. And then Larry came out with a puddle of laundry, uh, his improv improv troupe, and it was very like loud and ruckus and ridiculous comedy. So I should have <laughs> switched them. I should have done music and then and then comedy. But hey, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> it was still a wonderful show. And you know what? I left. The music hit me. Uh, it was I don't know. It was very nice. Uh, I don't know if it exists. I don't know if you can see it anywhere. I don't know if anyone in, in the audience saw it, but I remember being off to the side of the stage, just pretty much crying during all the music, <laughs> just because I was moved. Uh, I won't get too into it. I don't want to spill too much tea on this podcast. But there was a another musical act that was uh, booked to play 
at Pet Turtles Live, uh, and they were assholes. <laughs> and so uh, there, I. It was such a oh god, it was a stressful situation because they were assholes and they were being assholes and being kind of like. Verbal, verbally aggressive assholes and I'm way too afraid of confrontation to like step up whenever my feelings are being stepped on and oh god it sucked having to do that and then there was this like there was this mu- miscommunication from uh, the monocle uh, where uh, Laura at the monocle sent me a text and I read the text as the show being cancelled and it wasn't that and there was like there was like thirty minutes where I thought the show was canceled, and oh my god, I wanted to die, I wanted to puke, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was just a mis- miscommunication. That's why text messaging sucks uh, because you don't get tone, and it's very easy to mistype things. Ugh. So there was that whole like thing where for like thirty minutes I thought the show was canceled, and then there was a an annoying asshole of an act that was not yielding (laughs) we had i think two hours worth of time scheduled but we had like two and a half hours worth of material and an act that kind of like butted their way into the show and had nothing to do with pet turtles uh or the pet turtles family uh was not willing to yield some of their time and everyone who was attached to Pet Turtles was willing. And I thought that was really dickish of them. I'm spilling way too much tea on this. I didn't mean for this. Am I going to cut this? Probably not. But anyway, <laughs> they're not going to hear it. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> but it ended up being a wonderful show. I had a wonderful time uh, at that show. And I think it seems like everyone else did. It was a lot of stress and a lot of hard work getting that pulled off. Um, but we got it pulled off. Um Mostly because of everyone else that was performing and not because of me. But man, it was because... uh, It was a fundraising show for Pet Turtles. All the proceeds uh, went towards the budget of Pet Turtles. And we had a raffle. And uh, it's been such a long time. We sold something, I think. Uh, Words, 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 words. But we did, as far as fundraising goes for Pet Turtles, we did way more than any of us had anticipated like i won't say any numbers but we did we did three times the number that i thought we were going to do and that was like i was gobsmacked by that uh that live show saved pet turtles ass (laughs) uh and so like that was the second time in the span of a year or two years where the monocle helped me realize a dream because I was so bullheaded and ignorant. I was like, I'm going to make pet turtles happen no matter what, but it would have been a lot harder to make pet turtles happen without those funds that we raised at pet turtles live. And considering how, (laughs) uh, at the very end of pet turtles during the shooting of pet turtles, like we just completely ran out of money. (laughs) And uh, that money that we raised at Pet Turtles Live, like, that was a whole day of shooting. And so if we had uh, ran out of money one day sooner, it would have been, been a rough last day of filming. Uh, so, God, man, the monocle. Um, 
that I was really overwhelmed and really gobsmacked and really like just I felt like you know I still to this day like feel unworthy of uh, of how well that went. But it was it was very touching. I'm still very touched by how how well that went. That's why losing the monocle really 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 sucks. Um, one of the actors that is in Pet Turtles I had never worked with before, had never met before, didn't know anything about them. And I remember asking the producers, the, uh, the behind-the-camera team of uh, Pet Turtles, I was like, do we know anything about this guy? And uh, Larry, one of the producers of Pet Turtles, the star of Pet Turtles, one of the stars of Pet Turtles, came out and he was like, Yes, I saw him in uh, this movie, which was filmed at the Monocle. That's where I met him. And so, like, the Monocle, in a roundabout way, gave us one of our actors for Pet Turtles and gave us part of our budget to make Pet Turtles happen. So, like, the Monocle is a, is a key ingredient to the, the Pet Turtles pie. That's an expression. Uh, and as I said earlier, like, they helped me realize I was in a sketch comedy troupe. There's so much stuff happened because of the monocle. The other thing I wanted to talk about as far as the monocle went was, um, another one of the stars of Pet Turtles. Uh, it's my friend Larissa White. Um, I believe her stage name is Larry King. Regardless, she did a, she did two live shows there. I was only able to catch one, which is a huge bummer because I was not living in St. Louis at the time as a second one. But she did, uh, she did a live show at the Monocle called Larry King Live at Gunpoint. And, you know, like, I already knew going in to Larry King Live at Gunpoint, I already knew that Larissa White was talented. Like, no surprise. I already that was a foregone conclusion. I already knew that. Uh, Larissa White's been talented for longer than a lot of us have been alive. Not that she's an old lady; she's just always been talented. Uh, <laughs> but like, I already knew she was talented. I I knew she was talented from. I was a big fan of Larissa White as a performer since I saw her in my other good friend Lauren Hayes's. Uh, film Ruby Van Dweller and uh, shortly well not shortly way 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 after Ruby Van Dweller I saw uh, Larissa White on stage in Celebration uh, and oh my god oh, I cried during that because it was very shortly after she agreed to pet, be in Pet Turtles and I saw her in Celebration like singing and dancing and all this stuff and I was like oh my god this person who is amazingly talented and and almost everything she does believes in you and believes in your movie and she wants to be in it. And like, oh my god. Oh, I wept like a baby. Uh, <laughs> but she did a show, um, a variety show, music and uh, monologues and stuff like that um, called Larry King Live at Gunpoint. And it was a show about uh, when she was, she was mugged when she's held up at gunpoint and it was uh this beautiful show where uh you know as i said she sang and delivered monologues and it was such a great show and i remember i went there with uh my great friend forrest and uh 
I think that was the night I met Nick Tacconi, another uh, wonderful friend of mine, very, very funny man. Uh, and his, uh, it was at the time, it was his uh, girlfriend. Now it's his, his beautiful wife, Michelle. And uh, I met them and just had a wonderful time with them. And I was really like, uh, Nick and Michelle charmed the pants off me. <laughs> Not literally, but figuratively. Uh, but I had a wonderful time just like hanging out with them before the show. Uh, that was also a time in my life where I was skinny enough to wear my uh, one of my Twin Peaks shirts I have. I have this amazing Twin Peaks shirt uh, called Our Lady of Twin Peaks. And it's Laura Palmer. And she looks like Our Lady of Guadalupe. And... Catholic imagery plus Twin Peaks is like a, a, a cross that you, is a mix that you, I can't go wrong with me. Uh, but I'm way too fat to wear that shirt now. But I remember what I was wearing. Uh, I, I remember what I was wearing that night at Larry King Live. But anyway, Larry King uh, delivered this amazing performance, wonderful show. And like at the end of the show, what we thought was the end of the show. She's like, oh my gosh, guys, I completely forgot a song. I completely forgot one of the songs I wanted to perform. Is it okay if I do it? And of course, we were like, yes, please, absolutely. And she deli- she sang the most beautiful song. And I just, again, like it was the second, third uh, of countless times where a performance by Larissa White just made me cry. It's happened way too many times now uh not way too many times because that implies that i don't enjoy it it's not it's it's happened a lot of times and i uh, look forward to happening it happening more times in the future but again that was just a another memory that the monocle was able to provide for me and how do i put this obviously like our memories knock on wood, uh, aren't going anywhere. Uh, we've got over 52 now. We've got over 52 chapters of the Puffin Publishing Podcast and still uh, plenty more to go. Some would say too much more. And we've got those recordings. We've got recordings from our three shows from the Monocle. You've already heard them if you've listened to this show. And Pet Turtles ain't going anywhere. Uh, it's it's going to be done. And whenever I look at Pet Turtles, I'm going to be able to... I won't physically see the monocle, but I, it will be there, tied up with everything. It's tied up in the DNA of Pet Turtles. But also, uh, Forrest was awesome. Forrest is always awesome. But Forrest was awesome uh, and recorded uh, Pet Turtles live. He recorded some of the acts. He recorded Le Pons and... Uh, Adriel or Adriel or Heart Problems, uh, Lake Wharton. <laughs> and he recorded uh, myself and Justin. He recorded Puddle of Laundry. Uh, so I've got that footage there so that I can sit there and, and I can watch that footage from the show at the Monocle. And if I recall correctly, uh, Larissa streamed Larry King live at gunpoint. And I'm sure she's got footage of it. And I know there's photographs that exist of it. So there's plenty of mementos, physical mementos, to remember the monocle by. Um, my wife took pictures of all the pet turtles, of all the Puffin live shows. 
There's audio recordings of those live shows. There's video recording of Pet Turtles Live. There's video recording of Larry King Live at Gunpoint. There's photographs of Larry King Live at Gunpoint. Uh, there's plenty of things to remind me of those, but like not being able to go into the building again and not being able to experience the atmosphere of the building again and to uh, to hear the lady singing while the guy plays piano, to see that decrepit old man who's constantly at the bar. <laughs> uh, to not see Laura like slightly overwhelmed but still happy um to not go through those like curtains into the back room to those little tiny tables um to not have that anymore is a is a huge bummer um and you know as i said i've been living in washington i've been living in utah i've not been able to experience the monocle in a long time but it was something i was really looking forward to whenever i went back to st louis and I'm not going to be able to go in. I'm, I can walk by. I can look in a window maybe. But it being a space that I can no longer inhabit or in a space that will not be inhabited the same way anymore um, is a huge bummer. And I don't know. The monocle is a physical manifestation of a lot of things for me. And it is a structure in which dreams are made. Um, I think in the one of the promos for the Puffin live shows, uh, I say, we're going to be here at the Monocle, our home away from home. And uh, I believed it whenever I said it at the time, and I believe it now. And one of the hardest parts about growing up is is losing your home, you know, Uh having a having a home that you can no longer go back no longer go back to and i can no longer go back to my genuine home like my childhood home the home we moved into whenever i was 13 years old and uh i can no longer go into the monocle i can go into the building but it's not the monocle anymore and uh that's a that's a huge bummer. And uh how do I put this? I don't even really know where I'm going with this, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is it's like to some folks these places are just buildings. Um but the uh the memories attached to these physical spaces that we inhabit uh make these buildings more than just buildings, you know? And uh, those spaces that we inhabit can kind of serve as a foundation for a lot of memories. And whenever that foundation is destroyed, like, obviously you, you still have the memories, but there's a lot of timbers and that, leave, that, that hold those memories up that are now gone, you know? And uh, I, can, I can remember the big things. I'll be able to remember the big things, but by not having that space anymore, there's a lot of little things that have slipped through the cracks, I'm sure. And uh, not having those is a huge bummer. And I know, like, we shouldn't live in the past. we got to keep moving forward, but it's nice having those old things for whenever the times get tough, I guess. 
And I guess the other thing I'm trying to say is, and I guess I kind of hinted at this earlier, but places like the Monocle are like, okay, it's a business, um, but it's more than a business. You know, it's a it's a space that we can have. It's a place that we can go to. It's a a structure that we can attach memories to. And so, to some folks, it's just a place to like see drag shows or or get old fashions or wherever. But there's more to that, more than that, to uh, to lots of folks, myself included. And uh, I don't know, seeing that go by the wayside is a huge bummer. And how do I put this? I guess I am going to step on the soapbox a little bit. Amazon and things like that are super convenient. Um, but do you have fond memories about whenever your box came in the mail? Or do you have fond memories of being in a building with people you care about? One, Some of my, my fondest memories are... You know, going out to the movies with friends of mine, uh, going out to restaurants uh, with people I cared about. And I think back of those memories and I think fondly upon them. And I'm not discrediting, you know, like streaming services. I'm discrediting getting something from the mail and everything. But I don't know, like going to physical places can end up being more than just like I'm going out for a movie or I'm going out for a snack or whatever. They can turn into bigger things for better or for worse. The places that we go to have a tangible quality to them. And so those experiences we have are more than just emotional experiences, but they're also physical ones. Hearing a pretty song is nice and you can remember what it sounded like, but hearing for example, Larissa White live on stage singing a song and experiencing that song with other people and feeling the, the hard, uncomfortable chair that you're sitting in and having one elbow on the awkward table and one on your lap and the lights hitting her. You know, it becomes an experience that you don't just hear, but when you see, when you feel. If my nose worked, it'd be one that I smelled, <laughs> uh, one that I touched. And being able to experience those things with multiple senses gave more surface area for those memories to attach to. And uh, you don't always get that from getting a box in the mail or hitting play on your on your Netflix or whatever. I guess what I'm trying to say is... The monocle may not have seemed like much, but it was a lot. And there's a soul to places like the monocle and other small businesses and places that you can have it that uh, you can't get from a lot of other things in our current timeline. And I know it's not a great time out there. I know it's not uh, wise to go outside uh, and to partake in big social gatherings or whatnot. Um, but hopefully things get rectified soon so that you can 
do that again so that you can be with friends again, that you can go out and experience things again. Uh, and I guess it's like, whenever you do that, like, whenever you're enjoying your friends and you're enjoying your company and you're enjoying the space you're in next time you do that, whenever that might be, like, let's take a moment and take it in and look at your area that you're in. Listen to the sounds, see the sights, smell the smells, if you can smell, feel how uncomfortable the leather chair is, all that stuff, and really take it in, because you don't know when that stuff's going to go away, and you don't know how long you're going to have that for. And uh, as you get older, and as your brain gets worse and worse, you want as much there you want to soak up as much as you possibly can. So yeah. Uh, I guess... R.I.P. the monocle. Uh, gone, but not forgotten. Uh, sucks that I can no longer visit you. Sucks I can no longer see shows within your walls. But those memories of my friend Lake, my friend Larissa, my friend Larry, all of Puddle of Laundry... My friend Justin, memories of seeing them perform live, they ain't going anywhere. And memories of myself performing live, uh, that's not going anywhere either. But I am going to miss those pretzels that you had. Those pretzels were pretty good, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to get those back. I guess you win some, you lose some. Um, I hope any of this made sense. I felt like I completely lost what I was talking about there. <laughs> but uh, that's part of my brain not working. And that's the problem of going into a thing wanting to talk about something but not having any end game other than just wanting to talk about it. Uh, but I'm going to leave you all with this. This is a recording. This is the audio of a recording of Lake, of uh, Adriel, Adriel, Heart Problems, my friend Lake, my very good friend, good friend of mine and good friend to this show, good friend to Kevin, a good friend to Puffin. This is Lake performing one of the songs that he performed at Pet Turtles Live. Uh, I enjoyed it back then. I'm going to enjoy listening back to it again whenever I edit this. I'm going to enjoy listening back to it again whenever I play it back after editing it. So, yeah. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Support small businesses. And uh, realize and take in, and take in the physical spaces that you're inhabiting take in the circumstances and be aware be mindful of your situation because you may not get a chance to again all right i'm done peaking the audio i'm done with these hard p sounds i'm out peace out take care of yourselves bye
Thank you.